Welcome to Roots, a music podcast. My name is Alex. And I'm Edo. And together we are on a journey to celebrate and discover the music of different cultures from around the world. In each episode, we will venture to new places under the guidance of expert musicians who are active in the traditional music scene of the region or the group of people they represent. We will learn everything there is to know about the music, what it sounds like, how it's made, who performs it, and the occasions in which it is performed. Most importantly, we'll find out how this music has evolved into the 21st century. Our guests will also workshop their music with us so that we can all experience the music directly from its source. We are so excited for you to come on this journey with us and explore the world through music. Today's guest is Kajali Kuyate, a wonderful chora player and singer from Senegal. To be a jelly, or a griot to use the French term, is to be born into a lineage of hereditary professional musicians operating in many West African countries since the foundation of the Mali Empire by Sunjata Keita in the 13th century. The musical instruments of the jellies are the bala, or balaphone, a wooden xylophone with calabash resonators, the ngoni, a lute that can be found in different shapes and sizes in many parts of Africa, and the kora, the 21-string harp lute Kajali specializes in. After years of training with fellow jellies, Kajali moved to London, where after graduating from Guildhall School of Music, he now teaches kora in the music department of Swans University of London. He has performed with many world-class musicians, including Baba Mal, Mumford & Sons, and the Afrocell Sound System. These concerts took place in some of the most prestigious venues of the country, including the Royal Festival Hall, the O2 Arena, Queen Elizabeth Hall, National Theatre, the Royal Albert Hall, and the House of Parliament. You get the idea, it's basically easier to say where Kajali hasn't performed in the UK. He has appeared multiple times on the BBC, toured with the Royal Shakespeare Company, and has worked as an actor, cultural consultant, and dialect coach on the TV miniseries Roots. I guess the name we chose for our podcast is not that original after all. Kajali is also an accomplished composer and songwriter. His latest work, Nemo, a brilliant Afropop album led by the Kora, is his fourth release as a band leader. Kajali, thank you for being here with us. Uh, My pleasure. So let's just dive into our questions. Um, If we had never heard the sound of the Kora or of Jelly music, how would you describe them to us? Um, how would I describe the sound of the kora? Uh, I think it's a beautiful instrument and uh, I grew up uh, listening to it and also playing it. So for me, it's uh, the sound of my, you know, 
uh, how do you call it, life, if I can say something like that. And I think uh, anybody who experienced the sound, you know, 99% uh, of people do fall in love with the sound of it. Uh, it's a unique sound and uh, it's not also just the sound, it's uh, the melodical lines and, uh, you know, that are used, uh, you know, the musical language of the sound itself that is beautiful. I think that hypnotic and that touches people's heart. So it's a sound of love, it's a sound of peace, it's a sound of, uh, you know, uh, the universe, you know, it's a sound of paradise. <laughs> That's so beautiful. Uh, thanks. That's such a That's wonderful so explanation, I guess. Um, I personally love the sound of a Chora. I find it very therapeutic at times and uh, very mesmerizing. I, I love listening to Cora solo albums. It is. Um, mm -hmm. What about jelly music in general? Um, in, in a few quick words, how would you, how would you describe uh, the music of your people? Um, the music of my people? Um, <laughs> uh, I think it's a beautiful music and, uh, and it's a it's a music that tells, uh, you know, our story, the story of, uh, you know, the people. It's a music that comes from, you know, a historical narration. And, uh, you know, as you may know, the story of jellies, you know, uh, before history wasn't written down, it was the role of the jelly to tell the history of people. And uh, the songs, uh, not only historical, but uh, they also tell, you know, uh, talk about current event, about social issues and all the stuff. So I think it's the sound of uh, the people, the nation, and uh, and still it plays that role by reminding those who come from those communities, you know, uh, where, uh, who they are. So basically then that comes to the sound of identity as well. So, you know, when you think about the griot, you know, uh, or the sound, or if you know a little bit of the, about the griot story, you know, just by the surname of the person, you can identify, you know, who they are, you know, their lineage and all the stuff. So there is a strong, you know, identity, you know, uh, character in, in, in the sound, in the music, in the role that the jellies play in the society and uh, that role also have been extended nowadays in so many different ways with uh, uh, you know different aspect of uh, art of uh, culture you know absolutely mm. absolutely um can i ask a question yeah. so um before before you know um edo brought this to to the podcast i had never heard of um the cora or jellies or any of this mm. um so i'm i'm coming at this as a complete you know uh outsider and yeah. i just i i first listened to it and it is such a beautiful sounding instrument and i'm just really interested in what i found also interesting was the um was the story mm. of like how how jelly jellies am i saying that right i just want to yeah, make sure yeah. is that yeah. yeah um uh how how that came to fruition um and additionally how so i guess i have two questions there are stories about how jellies um came to be that were not written down um 
and there are a few of them that are that not there's not one set one so do you have a particular story that you um gravitate towards um and then also mm. are jellies are they primarily men are they only men or are there women who also um ha- withhold this tradition yeah i mean to the last one yeah it's the it's a it's it's a men and women it's a family okay. stuff so it's not just uh uh, uh like a, in a uh, royalty hierarchy situation where you know you have to be a man or you have to be you right. know it's not like a, a father line or cousin line, but but mm-hmm. I mean you can say I mean because of the how the marriage system is, you know. But usually before in the old society, jalis used to be married within in the community, just uh, or jali marrying or jali, you know. That's how the society was before, mm-hmm. you know. You know, uh, those things have changed nowadays where you don't have a blacksmith marrying a blacksmith. You know, right. or, 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 you know, so something like that. But before there was this mutual respect of uh, uh, a bloodline in the sense of uh, who you are, where you belong to. And that there was also this mutual respect between those, you know, different uh, uh, communities, you know. So your name means a lot and all the stuff. So of course. Uh, the, the, the jelly is, is like men and women both. So women sing most of the time, you know. Uh, uh, men plays the play the instruments, you know, and uh, so the performance line usually were like that. In I mean, still nowadays it is in a way, you know. Uh, of course, things have changed. Sometimes the women became more interested in playing the instruments as well, you know. Okay. Mm. That's and then in terms of the um, in terms of like your where you think jellies originated, what what do you what do you think? What is your personal take on that? It's a it's a big uh, it's a family it's a, it's the same root basically. It's not like uh, this jelly. It, th- that's why I was talking about the surname, like my surname Kuyate. We were the first griot in the Monday Empire. The Mande Empire was founded by Sunjata Keita in the 13th century. Right. So his okay. griot was Balafaseke Kuyate. And uh, I am a descendant wow. of Balafaseke Kuyate. So when That's you go amazing. to Mali, Senegal, Gambia, Guinea, Burkina Faso, Ivory Coast, all the Kuyates have the same ancestor. So it's not like, oh, you know, there are groups of jellies here and there. They all come from the same root. Just that example of the Kuyates. Same way with the Sisokos, the Jebates, you know, and uh, other, mm-hmm. you know, great families. So, yeah, it's a, it's a tradition passed down generation to generation from father right. to son, coming from, you know, a, a, a root, you know. <laughs> right. That's amazing. <laughs> it That's is. so cool. <laughs> and I, I would like to stress it once more for the listener. It's mm. an oral tradition. So it's been passed down by teaching and repeating and performing together, nothing was written down, which of course for, mm. for us Westerners, sometimes it can be something quite hard to, to grasp uh, yeah. how a musical tradition could have survived for more 800 years or even more mm. um, uh, by being passed down orally. 
thank you, this, uh, thank you, Kajali. Um, yeah, tell us a bit more about the Kora specifically, your instrument. How is it played? What's his, hi what's his history and what's your history with it? Um, well, the Kora is, uh, how do you call it, is, well, let's say, the youngest instrument of the griot, the jelly. Um, we have instruments, as you were mentioning before, Dongoni, you know, way older, mm -hmm. and the balafon. Actually, as a Kuyate, the balafon, is, it is said that the balafon was our first instrument given to us by a king enemy called Suma Urukante, who was the enemy of... Uh, <clears throat> Excuse me, uh, Sunjata Keita. So, um, so the Kora was uh, is is uh, had is in connection with the Gabu Empire, uh, with Kelefasane, and also uh, the griot uh, his griot Jalimari Wulensuso, is said to be the man who discovered the knowledge of the Kora from a spirit, you know, and uh, so the Kora, if you are classifying into the uh, the griot family, uh, you know, different griot family. The kora is a sisoko instrument, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. Of course. Then they become, uh, you know, a jelly instrument. Then you know, same as the balafon is a kuyate instrument, but also it's a jelly instrument. So, uh, so yeah, the kora is originated in the Gabu Empire, which is uh, in the Gambia. The southern part of Senegal, Guinea-Bissau, you know, mm -hmm. all those were part of uh, that uh, that that uh, kingdom, you know, of the Gabu Empire. So yeah, uh, my relation to it uh, as a griot, you know, uh, although you know, one instrument may be coming from uh, you know a particular family, so it's considered as a griot instrument. So anybody from that family, the griot families. You know, uh, because my my like for example, my dad is Kuyate, but my mom is Sisoko. So, so you know, in both ways, <laughs> you know, I I I I, I, I am in the Kora lineage as well as in the Balafon lineage. Um, sorry, can I ask a quick question? Mm. Um, so, um. This might, well, first of all, for the listener, we'll have pictures of all these instruments on the website. That way you can actually see how cool they are um, uh, and what they look like. Uh, but also, the question is now, um, your particular Kora, yeah. was that passed down to you as well? Like, do you pass down the instrument itself or do you get new ones or do you make your own? How does that work? I'm yeah, curious. I mean, you know, I have gone through all those stages, you know, where you've been given a Kora by a grandfather or, you know, a dad or, you know, uncles, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the Kora has been, uh, you know, um, uh, evolving in a, in a technological way, basically. In right. a technical way, whatever you call it, you can say. Mm -hmm. So before, traditionally, uh, it's made of uh, how do you call it? Uh, the calabas, as you can see, you know, uh, antelope skin. And nowadays we have uh, cow skin, you know, uh -huh. and uh, uh, and it, it, now we have fishing lines. And before, you know, you can use different even the skin to make it different thickness and. Uh, so the neck was, 
I mean, is a round uh, stick, and then we have the skin, you know, uh, made in braid, and then uh, attached or lie on the neck. You push up and down for the tuning system, but that tuning system has advanced. We went to wooden tuning, you know, mm -hmm. pegs, mm -hmm. because that's uh, easier. This one would take time sometimes. The the the, the pushing up and down with the skin, and then. Uh, the technology came to our side and we got this, uh, how do you call it, guitar nice. pegs. <laughs> and it makes made life a little bit easier. And I think uh, it's just uh, then you have less tuning to worry about, you know, and focusing more. And obviously this kind of affects a little bit the, sonor you know, the sonority uh, of the instrument. But uh, just like, uh, you know, just another way, it's just because you are used to hearing in a different way now you are probably having slightly you know different you are hearing it in a different way due to these kind of things and now even we have a lever so me as a griot and as a musician and performer you know this is uh, you know ideal for me because not only i play my own music but i play in different projects where the music in different keys from one tune to another with the traditional one, I have, you know, lived that experience where I have to tune between each song. Then I, you know, it takes away the whole, you know, pleasure of the performance because I'm not playing my own music, I'm playing somebody else's music. So, yeah, it's been uh, progressing in that way. And then I think that came from, uh, there is uh, this more, uh, how do you call it, is that the more, more, monks? Yes. Yeah. The monks. <laughs> There are some French monks that uh, you know, you know, had the, uh, this uh, uh, area in Dakar, yeah, near to Dakar, and uh, they are like you know they do this church, you know, preaching and stuff like that. Of course, they like the sound of the chora. They were interested into uh, you know developing that sound, the, the, not, mm, the tuning right. system. So the the monks of Kermusa, they started you know using the wooden pegs, kind of uh, you know, uh, developing that you know in that way. So so that's where it started. They are still going on you know doing uh, things like that you know making choras with uh, machine pegs and you know all the stuff. So it's not a bad thing. It's just like uh, improving it's, all the time. It's like anything. There's the evolution. It doesn't take away the way it is played, it doesn't take away the virtuosity, and it doesn't take away uh, the fact that it belongs to, you know, this rich tradition, you know, right. all that stuff. We, we, you. we can all imagine that tuning 21 strings in between, in between songs can be quite a painful task <laughs> for every performer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're playing by yourself uh, traditionally or just uh, as a solo artist, you know, I mean, you know, those, those chorus are still around. I, I do have one, but I don't use it anymore because I am constantly, you know, doing projects on my, my own or different Absolutely. projects, you know. You imagine you, you, even in theater situation where you have cues changing all the time and then uh, there is a musical director. It's like, I want in this key, I want blah, blah, blah. So, but they love the sound of chorus, but so it helps. It's basically, you know, by allowing these kind of things, you are just, uh, 
giving it access to different platforms right. as well. Because you, know? you can't just be like, sorry, yeah. I'm tuning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I, I am. Yeah. Makes it a little more versatile. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Well, since we've spoken about the Chora so much, why don't we just take a short break so we, mm. we can listen to some Chora? connect um, with one of the things we were talking about before. We've talked about what the role of the jelly was. Mm. Uh, we, we talked about its historical function, uh, the praising. Well, we didn't really touch upon it that much, but the praising of the patrons, uh, mm. uh, that was also part of their role historically. But in general, they bring the community together, mm. right? Yeah. Um, and th this is exactly what I want to, to ask you. What are the situations in, in, in which, in Senegal, as a, as a jelly, uh, in Senegal, Mali, or um, <coughs> yeah. um, somewhere else, Gambia, mm -hmm. and so on, uh, what are the situations in, win, in which you would play uh, this music? And what, what's the function of the jelly in these situations? Uh, it's a part of the daily life, really. It's not like a particular moment. I mean, in the family compounds, sometimes, usually before, there were no, sometimes even fence between two houses, you know. So sometimes you can see three houses without fence between them. That's how community was, like, you know, socialization, you know, socializing was, you know, uh, when, in my childhood. Nowadays, people kind of, you know, put all these fences, you know, a lot of barriers. But when I was growing up in Kolda, they didn't have that. So there was always, you know, life thing happening because there was this sense of audience and, uh, you know, and uh, people were coming in and out, you know, all the time, or we are going towards people. For example, you know, you are playing, people just would come in the house, you know, and uh, to visit and then, uh, and those people can be from a descendant of a king, for example, if they are a Keita or, a, uh, you know, knowledgeable people, Marabu or Sise, you know, uh, then you, you know, you can just be playing or singing about someone or things like that. But in a more, uh, uh, how do you call it, organized way, the griot are always called when there is a naming ceremony, where is a, when there is a wedding, any event and those kind of things happen quite a lot you know these little small events here and there 
you know. So it's like uh, uh, we are the source of the entertainment, you know. Uh, not only just by playing, but uh, if there is a conflict, you know, you know, the jali is usually somebody who is like, uh, you know, between couples even, you know. So it's like a, a counselor, you know, all the stuff, you know, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, it's making sure that the people li are living in harmony, people are living in peace and stuff like that. But also, as you may know, also they criticize if there is a mean person or a person that is not nice to other people, the jealous would target you, you know, and then, uh, 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 how do you call it? Uh, I am trying to see how you say this word in English. It's just like uh, talking about you without actually mentioning your name, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, we have a saying for that, but I don't know. What, I thought I knew it in English, but I don't know. I know. don't even know what in English I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I know it in Italian. I'm also yeah. helpless here. It's not here. like talking <laughs> behind you, your back, yeah. but in front mm -hmm. of you, they will say all the words, and then you will know that these people are talking about me because you can hear what they are saying because it's all the things that you have done that are not right. Uh -huh. you know? Okay. So, but but it's not behind you. It's like a at your in, in your present right you know but at the so, same time yeah. not directly pointing the finger yeah, yeah, uh, yeah by yeah, naming yeah. you okay yeah if i think so, of it yeah. i'll insert it here but I can't, <laughs> I can't think of the actual word but i know exactly yeah. the feeling that you're talking about exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. of course you're not gonna go excuse me are you talking about me you know but you're just gonna be ashamed and just walk away or change your behavior you know in that sense you know because mm -hmm. they will the, the kind of thing they would say, it's not like insulting or anything like that, but it's like you dishonored your ancestors because your great-great-grandfather, he was this type of a good person. He did this for people. He saved communities. He gave food to hungry people. You know, mm -hmm. he saved the poor and blah, blah, blah. So I don't understand why you have to become a person like this, because this is not the type of family, you, can, you know, those big words. So it's like a social shameful, especially if you are in a social environment where, when, where those kind of things matter a lot. So that's why people are usually afraid of the, as they say, the tongue of the jelly, because mm. as he can praise and say good things about you, you know, it can also criticize and then, you know, uh, put you down if you're not doing right to the community, to the people around. So a jelly is kind of a, a mirror. You hold the mirror to society, to the to your community. Yeah. yeah. That's a beautiful word to say, yeah. <laughs> that's how I see it. And I think that's important. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is important. Yeah, yeah. Well, that kind of meet your respect before. And nowadays, of course, he has things have changed, we are exposed to, you know, different lifestyles, you know, and all the stuff. The more you move towards the city or the more uh, development, you know, uh, uh, happens, you know, the more people, you know, kind of uh, maybe push a little bit the tradition aside and then uh, try to live in a different way. But still, you know, there is this, uh, consideration of uh, people who know they know. I guess the whole thing is about knowing who you are and where you come from and then uh, 
the values of those things, you know. So going back to your roots, Kajali, when did you learn Vakora and from whom? What was your experience with that? Yeah, um, uh, I, I learned the Kora from a young age, as I was saying before. I grew up, uh, how do you call it, uh, in this uh, family environment, surrounded by, you know, f- you know, uh, uh, people uh, from my actual family and people from outside, you know. But because we are all Griot, it's like a big family. The extended family is part of the family. So therefore you have grandfather, father around, uncles, you know, cousins, you know, and all those people. So, and uh, you start learning from everybody by observing everybody, you know, whoever is playing, you're observing them. Occasionally my, uh, my brothers, uh, um, sorry, my, my cousins, you know, they played a big role, but I learned from my grandfather, uh, my father, a little bit. Uh, but I spent more time with my cousins, a couple of my cousins, uh, when I uh, was a child. Uh, they came from Mali. Actually, they had a younger brother of Balake, because Balake Sisoko, his mother and my mother are same father, same mother. Of course. So his brothers, we younger brothers, we grew up together and they were older than me. So, you know, I learned from them and also I had uh, another house where my uncle lives and then uh, that's a big family. Sometimes I go there, you know, I learn from another person. But, you know, it's like the same songs, you know, it's just like not everybody's available at the same time, you know. But sometimes you are just like playing by yourself and somebody would correct you. So progressively that way. I was more of a singer, you know, although I don't probably sound like it <laughs> I nowadays. Can hear it. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> but when I was, uh, uh, how do you call it, uh, seven, eight, uh, these two cousins I was talking, telling you about, they were part of the uh, regional, you know, kind of orchestra, uh, theater group, you know. And then uh, I accidentally became part of it because in primary school they used to allow us to sing traditional songs when we're doing like exams you know uh, uh, we do like twice uh, three times a year so i wasn't uh, uh, that amazing student but the singing has saved me in primary school at those days you know <laughs> and then uh, there was a competition uh, in in uh, how do you call it in the cinema where all the primary school has to, each school has to come up with two singers to represent them. And I was representing me and another girl, my school. So when we went to the cinema, we won, you know, the competition. Yeah, I probably was second, you know, <laughs> and the girl was first. <laughs> so then, yeah, the director of the regional troupe saw me there. And then one time I went with my cousins to rehearsal to see them rehearse and then the director recognized me are you the 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 the, the young boy who was singing the other day you know so he wanted me to join the you know the, the theater and then i start touring with them all the time and then there was a national uh, competition that was happening in dakar and then you know 
I represent it uh, with uh, the, my region twice in there. So, but then my cousins would play and then I would be singing, you know, traditional songs, you know. So, yeah, I remember yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that was uh, an experience at eight, nine, seven, eight, nine. Yeah. I can know, imagine something like that at that age, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think uh, my introduction to the whole music in a more, you know, meaningful way started that way. Although, you know, at home it was just like a, an instrument, maybe like a toy. It was probably one of the main toys at home. Nowadays we have so many different instruments, you know, literally and <laughs> figuratively. That, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, instruments. Yeah, yeah. But then it was just for me, you know, when I was growing up, that was one of the more attractions for any child around. So it's kind of, it kind of to me, it sounds like kind of learning through osmosis like especially when you say like you'll be you'll be practicing and then some people yeah. will be like no that's not right that's such a i think that's such a beautiful way to learn because i mean that's yeah, kind of how you yeah. learn a language as well is just like trying failing you know yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. exactly yeah it's the, it's the same approach <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um so when you then moved to Vakora, uh what what was the first song that you learned um, well, the first song they asked us to learn is, uh, how do you call it, Kelefa, Kelefaba. As I was saying, Kelefa Sane was the king of the Gabu Empire. So his great Jalimadu Wuleng, you know, uh, discovered Tukora and then also uh, played this song to dedicate to Kelefa Sane, you know. So they say that it's the ABC of the Kora, so, you know. So that's, that's that's one of the songs that I learned, and also Bani, which is another traditional song, still originated within the same uh, Gabu Empire, but with uh, uh, a bit uh, younger than Kelefa, you know. So yeah, those kind of songs, you just learn the kumbengo, which is just like uh, the bass line, and then uh, slowly you start adding the fingers, you know, the you know the birimintingo. You know, of course, uh, which is kind of like accompaniment to the the the, the melody line. So know? for the for the listeners, were probably probably unaware of all of this terminology, and maybe be unaware also of mm. how the kora is played. Uh, could you just t tell us? I mean, I know that it's hard to describe it. Of course, it would be easier if if if, if people could see it. But uh, could you describe us how you play the kora with your hands and as as well? And maybe you know, since we mentioned kumbengo and mirelintingo, why why don't you give, why don't you teach us something as well and uh, point them out? <laughs> so in Kazamas, we use the twenty-two strings quite a lot because of the different compositions that uh, you know. Uh, some compositions are originating in different regions, you know, so you have some originated from Mali area, some from Guinea, Conakry area, some from the Gambia area, some from, you know, the Kazamas area, you know. So, for example, a song like a Bani, you know, uh, would go, uh, just the bass line would go like a... Something simple like this, 
attended the accompaniment and the Birmingham or like the variations, you know, takes it into different level, you know. So from here, when I add, uh, add the fingers. listen to that for days oh i mean that was beautiful um that's so interesting so the bass line then um what did you what did you call it again the bass the line kumbengo. The kumbengo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um so that so that's kind of like level one and yeah. then you just build and you kind of just showed us like level 10 like where you can get to <laughs> yeah so it's kind of like you know kumbengo. yeah so Thank you for Most of the song, we, <laughs> yeah, you can define the uh, the bass line. So in the playing, you know, you have uh, the thumb is playing kind of that uh, melody line, and the fingers are doing improvisation. So they vary from one song to another. How you know, you know, it, of course, you know, it, it goes. But that's the idea, and uh, the more important is like the the player, you know. Uh, developing the skills, you know, the finger muscles, you know, being present, like, in, I guess, in with any instrument, you know, to develop your techniques, you know, you have to work on the, you know, your finger. <laughs> <laughs> well, so uh, in your, uh, in, in, in your latest album, Nemo, uh, you, you both sing and play the Chora, but you, you also play with uh, a Western uh, rhythmic section, uh, not saying the, the musicians are necessarily Western, but the Western instruments, right? And so I'm curious about uh, uh, the challenges in bringing these two words together, if there are any. Um, was it challenging for you to write an album like that? Or when you think about your music, um, you've got these two words, the, the solo, chora, uh, closer to a tradition and uh, this um, hybrid uh, form of music. No, I think I'm used to doing that. Uh, as I was mentioning before, I have played in different bands, ensembles before, where it's either in a collaborative way, um, you know, playing with other instruments, uh, whether it's my music or if other people's music. So uh, that's a, a something that I've been doing for a long time. So in this album, Nemo, 
it's just a continuation of uh, uh, you know the, the, that that journey of uh, you know uh, uh, combined I mean collaborating and then uh, you know uh, adding other elements to my music you know and other influences uh, I think it's uh, more uh, the 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 direction of the songs in the album which you know which are probably you know would be different in the past if i was living in senegal you know than how they are sounding now i am living here maybe those are kind of a fruit of uh, uh, different influences you know you know uh, uh, that i you know that came along with uh, the fact that I, I, I know, uh, I am surrounded by musicians from different musical backgrounds. You know, from you know, in, in London, London being a melting pot. You know, so uh, but otherwise, even back home, you know, we have bands. You know, musicians. You know, kind of uh, the chorus has already been is a big part of the Senegalese music in band context and stuff like that. But you know. It's, you know, long time ago, you know, that has started. So it's just like the way the influences shape, you know, our way of composing or our, you know, uh, how they inspire us, you know, uh, that's uh, what I found more interesting in, in a way. <laughs> I, I don't know whether that answers a little bit. <laughs> Well, Kajali, it was a pleasure to have you and to speak with you. Thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge and expertise and uh, everything you know about this music. And uh, thank, thank you. you for playing with us. That was absolutely beautiful. Uh, thank um, you. We'd love to see you again soon. <laughs> um, <laughs> Maybe in person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
I'm fine, I'm fine. 